The Outfall Podcast, exploring the hidden edge of our natural water world and our infrastructure. Hey, this is Robert, and welcome to another episode of The Outfall. Today, we're heading into space, 254 miles above the Earth to be exact. This is where the International Space Station rotates around the Earth every 90 minutes. The station is huge, about the size of a football field, but on this episode, we're going to focus in on one critical system. This system enables all the incredible science to happen that sustains life in the station. What is it? It's called the Water Recovery System. On this episode, you'll learn how urine is recycled so astronauts can drink it. Yes, drink it. How the Russians are helping with the station's overall water balance and how urine brittle, not to be confused with peanut brittle, was a problem NASA had to overcome. Amy and I joined Dr. Ladner in his office at Clemson University to hear, laugh, and discuss his conversation <laughs> with NASA's own Lane Carter. But, but, you know, if it were just pee, that's one thing, but this is astronaut pee, right? The creme de la creme. Exactly. <laughs> So he talked about, he gave us an overview of their urine processing system. Um, let's take a listen to, to some of what he said about that. Well, on the, on the space station, we have uh, uh, two primary waste streams that we deal with, and that's the, obviously the crew urine and then the uh, crew latent, which is just the, the water vapor that they perspire and respire uh, into the atmosphere. That's uh, collected by condensing heat exchangers that also uh, serve to uh, maintain the, uh, the cabin temperature uh, that, uh, that condenses out that, that crew latent. And so those are our two primary waste streams. We've, we've got to uh, do water recovery because it's uh, just an unacceptable cost to resupply all of the water. Uh, we've estimated that the uh, cost to resupply a kilogram of ma uh, mass uh, is on the order of $68,000. Wow. So you can do the math pretty quick and realize, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't possibly just resupply all of, all of your water. Um, and so instead, what we do is a water treatment system. Uh, so we take the urine, we put it through a, a rotary distiller to make distillate, and we combine that with the condensate for, uh, of the crew latent and put that through a, what we call our water processor assembly uh, that has um, some adsorbent in it, some ion exchange resin, and that takes out the, the bulk of the dissolved species. Uh, what isn't effectively removed are volatile organics like methanol and ethanol and such as that. So to meet our, our strict requirements for both uh, total organic carbon as well as microbial, we have a catalytic reactor and that runs at about 267 Fahrenheit. So uh, we oxidize whatever residual organics are in the, uh, are in the process water as well as uh, sterilize it. What comes out is pristine drinking water. One of the first key things that I found really amazing was the discussion about energy. Because you know, you do a lot with water and wastewater, right, Amy? Mm -hmm. And energy is a key thing, right? Absolutely. Like, isn't a lot of the wastewater treatment plant upgrades that we do is to reduce their energy use sure. and things like that? I asked him, what about energy on the space station? And he essentially said, 
we don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Different problems in space. Right. Uh, power consumption is uh, a little bit of a, a tricky uh, parameter uh, for us. When we were originally evaluating technologies, power consumption was a, a, a bigger issue. We tried to uh, weight it rather heavily. Now I've realized since I've gotten onto the space station, we have plenty of power. So as long as you don't use too much, then it's not an issue at all. And, and we don't use too much. And so that really hasn't factored into any of our decision making. A, a better example is our uh, uh, oxygen generation assembly, uh, because it, it does use a lot of power, uh, uh, several thousand watts. And, um, and so when we des originally designed it, uh, we implemented day-night cycles because uh, when the space station is actually facing the, the sun, then the solar arrays are obviously can, can we have more power capacity. And so we thought, oh, we'll run it uh, while we're facing the sun. We'll go to the dark side of the earth. We'll shut everything down. What we found out is, no, nope, you don't have to do that because they still had plenty, whether it was day or night, didn't matter. So we just run the OGA all the time and don't even think twice about it. So as long as you don't go beyond the limit, you've got all the power you need. And so that's uh, they just have big battery banks that yes. are um, yes. okay. being charged. Power, power has just never been a limiting factor. What really drives uh, technology selection is mass resupply and reliability. Okay. It's really about how much mass do you have to launch off of, uh, uh, off of the planet that uh, really just drives everything. And so if you have a system that's not reliable and you have to fly more spares, or uh, the other critical factor actually is crew time. If you have something that the crew's got to work on a lot, then we don't like it because we don't want the crew doing maintenance. Crew needs to be doing science. That's what pays the bills. Mm. Uh, so uh, those are those are really the critical factors. Power consumption, something we never think about. All right. So <clears throat> the next crazy thing was the discussion about Russians. Obviously, on the <laughs> International Space Station, it's international. They have Russians and Americans, and it's interesting. The Russians didn't have their own. Uh, urine collection system and urine processing system. So, <laughs> what do Russians drink on the International Space Station? Vodka? Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, actually. American pee. <laughs> but yeah, they drink American pee. Of course, we. And we drink their Russian pee, pee too. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, we would need to resupply. Right now, uh, on average, we're really not having to do a lot of resupply because the Russians are also on the space station. They have a condensate processor uh, that they use for drinking water, but they don't have a urine processor. Uh, they're in the process of getting one ready. And hopefully, uh, later this year, they'll be uh, successful on that venture. But right now, we get all of their urine as well, uh. and that makes up our deficit, so we're pretty much even on our water balance right now because we're processing all of the Russian urine. It's community. Okay. Has it ever been separate? No. Oh, okay. So that, no. that's just a myth that, that I must have picked up along the way. Yeah, somewhere. no. Yeah, there'd be no way, <laughs> no credible way uh, to do that. Yeah. And I don't think the, the crew, I don't think they, they care. If, if you can get comfortable with drinking your own urine, you can get comfortable drinking your neighbor's urine as well. <laughs> <laughs> If you're comfortable drinking your own urine, you're comfortable <laughs> drinking other people's urine. 
What better, you know, call for peace in the world is there than this understanding that the astronauts drink each other's pee? If the Russian astronauts can drink American pee and vice versa, can't we all just get along? Forget dreams of holding hands in world peace. <laughs> Let's just all sit around a table of each other's pee. There we go. Could you do that? Could you drink each other's pee? Absolutely. Under those circumstances. You could. Come on. If I had an option of a bottled water, I think I would take that one. But with limited resources, yes. You would drink. I would. Well, the, the crazy thing is that most people are drinking someone else's pee. That yep. is a excellent point. We are all drinking someone's pee. We're all downstream of someone. All yep. downstream of someone. I remember living in Illinois. The Illinois River is what received the wastewater from the Stickney plant, wastewater treatment plant, which is one of the biggest plants in the world. And where does that wastewater go? Straight down the Illinois River to the Mississippi to St. Louis. And then down to New Orleans. Uh, you know, they call it de facto wastewater reuse <laughs> because that's what we're doing. We reuse water. And I would rather have a really powerful system to purify the water instead of our ad hoc de facto systems that we have right now. Now, another crazy thing that came out in this discussion is the interplay between oxygen and urine, or oxygen and water. No, it's, it's the main system, so... Really? Yes. Uh, so most of the oxygen that the astronauts drink is coming from electrolysis of water? Yes. Interesting. Yes, we do, uh, we do have oxygen, pressurized oxygen tanks that we also fly to station. Initially, it was oxygen uh, that was transferred from the shuttle, uh, but since we ended the shuttle program, now we fly up uh, tanks. They're called NORS tanks, uh, nitrogen oxygen resupply. That provides pressurized either oxygen or nitrogen, and they'll transfer those over to the oxygen tanks, and then that pressurized oxygen supply, uh, we do use that also uh, for the water processor because I use gaseous oxygen as the oxidant in that catalytic oxidation reactor. Uh, we use a minuscule amount, but then that's also used for makeup oxygen uh, periodically, but the, uh, the overwhelming majority of the oxygen that the crew consumes is, uh, is from the OGA. Okay, that's amazing. Now, what, what do you need nitrogen for? Nitrogen is mostly inert, Primarily right? to, to make up the, for atmospheric leakage. So even, oh, though, really? yeah, even though the modules are very, very tight, you still have permeation. They're still non-metallics, and so you're still going to have uh, some limited gas permeability. A little and bit of that, oxygen leak, or nitrogen. Atmos atmospheric leak, right. Leaking. And so that, uh, uh, that's what the nitrogen is primarily used for, is to periodically repressurize the uh, space station. Wow, very cool. So in other words, in a way, they're sort of not only drinking their urine, <laughs> they're breathing their urine. <laughs> Talk about world peace. Absolutely. <laughs> now I was super excited, not just about the pee, but you know, when you have number one, you gotta have number two to deal with too. 
And what do they do with the poop? You guys remember what they do with the poop? <laughs> it was totally different yeah. than what I thought. Did I you? thought they would extract the moisture somehow. I thought so too. But no. 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 Just it, a poop cannon. Flaming poop cannon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we don't do anything with the feces. Um, that uh, is something that we are looking at for exploration because there is, uh, there is a, a good bit of water still captured in the feces that we would like to, to get back. I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's uh, almost a liter per day uh, for a crew of four. I'm not certain on those exact numbers, but that's approximately it. So again, you think about it, uh, that's, that's a lot of water for an exploration mission. Right now, though, the feces is uh, just uh, collected in uh, fecal collection bags, and then they go into, uh, uh, into one of the trash modules and burned up on reentry. Oh, so they we are. Don't, right, so we don't burned do anything much. else with them. So not only are the astronauts drinking their urine, but all of us down on Earth are receiving the outfall. <laughs> or uh, what's the nuclear term? Fallout. Fallout. Oh. That's what it is. Not outfall, but fallout. <laughs> all right. So he had an awesome story about not peanut brittle. <laughs> but another kind of brittle. Let's see, what, let's see what he had to say about this. After we initially ran the urine processor on the space station, we found out the hard way about the elevated calcium concentration in crew urine and microgravity. Again, due to bone loss, uh, I think most people are familiar with this now, that in microgravity, without the resistance uh, that you get uh, uh, here on Earth, the uh, uh, bones start to excrete calcium because it just doesn't need as much calcium as is in there. And that is removed from the body in the urine. So if you get more urine in the, uh, uh, if you get more calcium in the urine when you start um, distilling out the water, that calcium and sulfate start to precipitate. And that's what happened to us after just, it wasn't long, four or five months of operation uh, initially on the, on the space station. I guess this would be back in 1989. So the distiller clogged. We didn't know exactly why at the time. We brought it back down, uh, popped open the, uh, uh, the centrifuge or the evaporator and looked inside. And uh, sure enough, there's this calcium sulfate precipitation. And it was, uh, it's kind of this uh, dirty brown color. And this is right around Christmas time and immediately everybody thought, wow, that looks like peanut brittle. Because <laughs> it had actually um, it had formed on the back wall, uh, the hotter surface in the evaporator because calcium sulfate has a retrograde uh, solubility curve. And, uh, and then on return, it had, it had broken up and just kind of tumbled down into the, into the bottom of the uh, evaporator, in, uh, at least in uh, 1G. And so we just uh, scooped it out, put it in a glass, jar and set it on a table and titled it urine brittle as urine far as brittle. yeah urine brittle as far as i know nobody ever tried any of it <laughs> think there's a market there has to be he said it looked tasty <laughs> <laughs> sell it beside the astronaut ice cream <laughs> yeah forget uh, astronaut ice cream right? <laughs> what what struck me they are losing their bone density, but that is actual mass that's leaving their body. And so you have to ask, if you lose mass out of your body, through which orifice does it leave? <laughs> and in this case, they're losing calcium 
and is leaving with the urine. And so they're literally peeing out their bones as they lose that mass. No, I never thought about that. Wow. Did you? Have you, Amy? No. 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 Interesting. I, I definitely hadn't thought of that. <laughs> now, the other Russian-U.S. sort of interesting debate that was happening, when they combined the two modules, I'll let Lane tell us about it a little bit, but, you know, the Russians had their way of, of doing things, and we had our way of doing things, and a key difference was the concentration of carbon dioxide in each of the modules. It's interesting, the Russians actually do think it should be higher, or at least uh, uh, some of the Russian specialists. So they like for it to be like over three. They think it's more healthy. This has led to a little bit of uh, dissension on the, the integrated uh, space station, since we have the, you know, this Russian segment, this U.S. segment that are, that are attached, and we do have uh, active ventilation between the two. Right. And uh, so you know, we're trying to drive it down because we understand the, the health effects of it, and the Russians are saying, well, that's really not that critical, and uh, so we, it's, it's been a, uh, an issue that we've uh, had to address in the last couple of years. Everybody's in a pretty comfortable state now as far as how we're going to keep it around two and a half, and we're also, though, developing new and better technologies for CO2 removal um, because it's, uh, even though I think it's uh, uh, the approach that we're using right now on station everybody's comfortable with, they also acknowledge for long-duration missions they think we need to do better. World peace again, right? If we could all just agree <laughs> on what the right CO2 level is, then we'd be CO2 a lot better off. CO2 and our water, right? I mean... It's it all, like, the International Space Station is just this microcosm about getting along with one another. Right. It distills things down to the basics. Oh. There you go. What you breathe, what you drink. Yeah. It's, it's all shared, and we just have to find a way to agree on how we're going to share it all. Mm. And then I thought it was super cool, Lane's perspective. He is not thinking about just orbiting Earth in the space station. He wants to do bigger and better things. Let's let him tell us a little bit about that. I, we have a, uh, an approach uh, or I should say a system on space station right now that definitely long term is viable. Is it the best approach? Uh, I, I certainly hope not. In fact, I'd be real disappointed if uh, we've already figured out what the water treatment approach should be when we leave the solar system because we're going to pull that off at some point. It might be 100 years from now, but I don't think we're there yet. And so what we're trying to do actively is to identify what is the, the, the next upgrade to this water treatment system. So what we have today certainly works. What we need to improve upon, uh, as I was saying before, is, is mass resupply and, and then just overall reliability. We can't be heading to outside the solar system until we have a technology and a design that we have absolute confidence in and, and how to effectively keep it maintained for, for long duration, even to get to Mars. We feel we have to do better. That's what we're working on right now, uh, honestly, is uh, reducing mass resupply and improving uh, the design to uh, to improve reliability. And uh, we're going to keep pursuing that and be opportunistic about uh, new technology upgrades that we think will help us in that regard. Anyway, he was a, he was a great guy, great conversation. And um, 
yeah, it's fun to let some. So, other... did you have to convince him to do the interview? Was he pretty easy to convince? You know, he was. Yeah, he was all for it. I think. I don't know if the rest of the technical sessions of the talk weren't doing it for him, and he wanted to do something else. <laughs> but um, you know, especially for a novice interviewer like myself, I think uh, I was really happy that he was gracious enough to do it. Love this episode of The Outfall? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We appreciate it. You won't be sorry. Thanks. <laughs>